I want to invite Les Arnold, one of our longtime members, to come up and just share personally, briefly here uh, with you before we uh, stand up and uh, take a little break. But uh, Les and Amy, Amy uh, didn't want to stand up here with him this morning, but this, She's is, shy. <laughs> this is Les Arnold. Les, uh, take it away. Thank you. Uh, again, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Les Arnold. I've been a member of this church for a very long time, I've, long enough that I've heard Ross repeat a couple of speeches. Uh, but uh, Never. <laughs> uh, how many people here today uh, are currently looking for work, out of a job, looking for something? This is not a great time for that to be happening, is it? Uh, I know probably about a decade ago, long, seemingly a much longer time, uh, my, I was out of work. Uh, I had my arm, left arm, completely shattered, and between that and trying to look for work over the Christmas season, it was not a pleasant experience. My wife tells me I was incredibly difficult to live with. As an encouragement for those of you who are looking, it's okay. God does have a plan. Look around you. These are the people you can ask for help, okay? Now, having said that, what I wanted to go into is that during the time where we were in these dire straits, it was our church family that helped us out. And through that, through the entire time, and I was out of work for a good nine months or so, uh, we felt really convicted to continue giving to the church. Okay? And, you know, the first thought that comes into your head is, well, if I, you know, don't give to the church, God is going to continue punishing me and not get me a job, right? Or that maybe if I give to the church, you know, he'll do something really nice for me and find me a job. And that really has nothing to do with it. Uh, as as uh, cliche maybe as it sounds, the reason that we continued to give, that we felt uh, called to do that is out of gratitude. Because even though we spent all of that time uh, without a steady income, we still had a house, we still had family and friends that were helping us, we still had a strong hope for the future. God provided all of that for us during that time. And we were just so grateful that he did. And uh, I would encourage you, right now, uh, our church, I don't know if you've heard, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, I know Scott's been harping on it just a little bit. Uh, Easy, yeah. <laughs> that uh, right now, the church is in need. Nothing too incredibly drastic. It's not like, you know, the doors are going to close tomorrow or anything like that. But the church is in need. And if you look around, look at the people sitting next to you. These are friends. These are family. This is a place where you can worship God openly and fellowship and hear the word of God preached out of love. If that's not something to be grateful for, I don't know what is. Now, and... Coming from my heart, and Ross, you know, feel free to disagree with me on this one. Okay. But 
He always does. Uh, if you don't feel like you have it to give, don't. If you don't want to give, don't. This is not a, you know, you have to do this type of thing. But if you are grateful for what you see around you, if you are grateful for that continued hope for the future, if you have that little bit extra, the beyond just my daily bread, and you feel that gratitude, show it. I think that's really uh, what God wants from us this season. Anyway, Ross. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to take that down and give it to Scott Holtz. I'm going to have Scott pray for this need in uh, just a minute. But let me, let me just add this uh, to what Les said. Um, we were able to be out of town a little bit last week. Our Haiti team got back from building a home in Haiti. I was able to meet with some of the representatives of Step Seminary down in Haiti where we contributed uh, our, our labor and our, our uh, funds to build this house for a Haitian family. And I, I just want to say this. We... We want to move forward, and I don't want to move forward as a church to keep the lights on in this building or to keep our staff paid just for that, but I want to see us move forward as a church and, and end 2016 strong, begin 20, 2017 strong, because we have more work to do. We have more houses to build in Haiti. We have more people to reach in Collin County. We, may, we have more little ones to invest in. We have other nations besides Haiti that we want to invest in. We have one of our uh, partner missionaries, Wendy's over here uh, this morning, but John Bockelman is in Bulgaria this morning, equipping the church, building up church leaders. So uh, back from vacation, it's great to get rest. I appreciated that rest, but we were made to work and we were made to contribute to the kingdom of God. And uh, we can only do that as we you know, hold, hold arms together, wrap arms around each other, and say, let's do this. So I want to encourage us. I want our missions budget to increase in the next year. I want to do more in our community, uh, but it takes resources to do that. So I encourage you to pray through uh, the end of the year. We're about $92,000 behind our giving budget. So that's two months, basically, almost two months of our giving budget that we're behind. Um, so I encourage you to pray through that. Please give generously, give sacrificially. Um, and that was just sermon number one, okay? We've still got one to go through. So uh, sorry about that. Let's, I'm going to ask Scott just to bless our time together and pray for that need. And then I'm going to give you a, a, t a minute to stand up and stretch here in just a second, okay? So Scott, would you pray for us? Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you. Just as, uh, as Les expressed and encouraged us all, we just want to be grateful people. And um, I thank you that you already know our needs. I thank you for this wonderful church family that supports each other financially, emotionally, physically. Father, we love you. And uh, we are just uh, so thankful for your faithfulness. We know that you will provide, that you will find a way for us. And uh, we appreciate the just incredible love that you show to us every day and every week. We pray in Christ's name. Turn and share with someone next to you uh, and tell them, love it or hate it, okay? Putting up the Christmas tree, love it or hate it. Turn, turn and tell someone next to you, okay? You're not listening to instructions, but that's okay. Okay, how about this? Uh, raise, a, raise your hands. Going to the mall, shopping at the mall, love it or hate it? 
Well, the negatives were definitely louder. I don't know if they were more numerous. But uh, for me personally, it just, it depends. It certainly depends upon the season. It mostly depends upon how much traffic is around and how many people are at the mall. Um, that's often a frustrating place for me when, when Elizabeth and I are, are driving around during the holidays and there's bad traffic or things are falling apart or the kids are screaming in the back. I often just break out into a verse of that holiday song. It's the holiday season. You know, isn't this exciting? So, uh... Some of us love it, many of us hate going to the mall. Uh, a couple, young couple, uh, were at the mall. They were visiting family in the husband's hometown. They were out shopping for Christmas like the day or two days before Christmas and uh, out in the hustle and bustle. And all of a sudden, as the wife is shopping, she realizes that her husband is no longer around. He's wandered off someplace and she doesn't know where he was. So she picks up her cell phone and she, uh, she calls him and says, where are you? What are you doing? Don't you know that we have lots to do? And to, to that, her husband replied, you remember the jewelry store? She, she said, where are you? And he said, you remember the jewelry store we went to about 10 years ago and you fell in love with that diamond necklace and I couldn't afford it then, but I told you that someday, you know, I would get one for you. And she, tears begin to come down her cheeks as she's thinking about that. And she says, of course I remember. How could I forget that? And he said, yeah, I'm at the gun shop right next to that place. <laughs> And her joy turned to mourning. We're speaking on this third week of Advent about joy. Joy. But as I said a few weeks ago, for some, Christmas time this season of the year is not the most wonderful time of the year for many. For many, there's a sadness that rises to the surface. There's an increased busyness on top of already busy lives. There's the stress of tight finances. There's the anxiety of family dynamics and the negotiation of blended families and the expectations of in-laws. And then for many, and I know for several among us here this morning, there's that empty chair at the table that was occupied last year but is empty this year. And so for many, uh, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. And, and for some, those that are grieving or those who struggle with depression, the merriment actually stirs a sadness within us that then gets mixed with guilt because you feel, I, I shouldn't feel this way. Why? I, I know I should be happier than this. I know I should have more joy. But let me remind us today that the story of Jesus' coming, the story of Jesus' advent, takes place in a time of real trial and real stress and economic hardship and political upheaval. And as I argued, as I began to argue two weeks ago, the story of Jesus and the coming of Christmas, the advent of Jesus, makes the most sense and really makes the most impact as we hurt as we're in pain, because the coming of Jesus, if true, gives us a peace, a buoyancy, a hope in trials that no other reality can. We want joy in our hearts. We, we look for joy, even in the season, in the celebration. We want joy. We look for joy. We need joy. But it's only Jesus, it's only Jesus that can bring us the lasting 
and true joy that we're looking for. So in this season, in this time of Advent, we're doing a kind of an unusual move and looking to the Proverbs primarily to gain wisdom uh, for life, but particularly for this season of life. So uh, join me again, flip in your Bibles or turn on your phones and find the book of Proverbs. And uh, we see in the book of Proverbs that uh, I'll quote another author by the name of Steve Estes. Steve Estes says, Solomon's lamp shines light on the problems of Christmas. He boxes his insights in pithy sayings, wraps them in colorful words, ties them with bows of poetry. The quick-witted king stuffs your stockings with tips for life, words to the wise. Christmas time is, is not a time to just fake it and make it. It's not a time to ignore the hurt and the sadness, but it's a time to confess that sadness, to confess that imperfection while applying the, the soothing balm of the coming of Jesus to those trials. So I want to begin in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 20. Uh, Proverbs 25, verse 20. We're going to jump around a lot this morning. I'm, I'm short on time, so we may not get to cover everything, but I'll at least give you some verse references to look at later. Okay, so Proverbs 25, 20 says this. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Take that in for a minute. Let me read that again, okay, slower. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Now, I love a cold Dr. Pepper every afternoon, and I don't know, I've never, I don't know about you, but I put some cherry in it before, but I've never wanted vinegar in it, right? That bitter taste and fast uh, at our house, a few, when the kids were younger, we actually had a little spray can of vinegar with, that we called sassy sauce that we would spray in their mouth, you know, uh, when they said something sassy. Um, yeah, take that home. That's for free. Use that. Um, and, and don't call the authorities or whatever about you know, abuse or whatever. Someone in the earlier, some, one of the teachers when I did this uh, message earlier for them, they said, no, Tabasco sauce is the way to go. So... Um, I thought, well, you're cruel. Um, anyway, uh, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. The merriment, the songs, the celebration when there's sadness in your heart uh, can be painful. So uh, here's what I want you to hear from this proverb is that the Bible is honest about sadness. The Bible is honest about pain and, and brokenness and hurt. Okay, it doesn't ignore it. It doesn't just, the Bible is not just an extended hallmark card of well wishes just to make you feel good. The Bible is honest about pain. And yet in that pain, the Bible promises that because of Jesus, because of the advent and because of the second advent to come, we can have joy even in pain. In that same chapter, Proverbs 25, in verse 25, just a few verses later, it says this in a positive way. It says, like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Let me say that one again. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. You know what? Everyone in this room, everyone in Haiti, every one of your neighbors has a thirsty soul. And it's something that no even Dr. Pepper can feel. And I love a Dr. Pepper, but there's sometimes, there's those moments where just a cold glass of water is the only thing that will refresh you. 
And what the, the author here of Proverbs is saying is that for thirsty souls, good news can refresh them. And good news from a, from a far country, uh, words of a victory. And this is the same term, here it is in Hebrew, but this idea of good news is the same phrase, the same kind of wordage that the New Testament is going to use about the gospel of Jesus. Gospel means good news, that Jesus brings good news and good news waters the soul, if you will, even in the midst of hardship. I said a couple weeks ago, Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy. If you have the hope of Jesus and you have the hope of a Jesus who's coming to put all things right and to bring a perfect kingdom, if you have that kind of hope, then you can live in pain with still a joy. Quickly here, but uh, let, me, let me contrast, and this microphone is really driving me crazy. So, Brent, you're paying big time. Uh, let me contrast briefly, maybe, and maybe you've never thought of this before, the difference between happiness and joy. What would you think the difference between happiness and joy? And I won't open it up right now, but uh, from those I talked to earlier with the teachers as we were going through this lesson, happiness seems to be predominantly circumstantial. Uh, you can be happy when you sell the house. You can be happy when you get the job. It's, it's oftentimes associated with extrinsic things, things external to you. Joy has more of this idea of an internal, an intrinsic joy that, that can be there regardless of circumstances, right? Uh, it's true. The Bible calls joy uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and following, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, some of these that we celebrate at Advent, right? Love, joy, peace. So joy, you should know, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's evidence, it's fruit of what God does in our lives when we come to faith in Christ. We, we, we have this joy that becomes intrinsic, right? Yesterday, we, uh, we decorated our tree. We were a little late uh, on the on the get-go, but we decorated the tree. And by we, I mean Elizabeth, okay? So, uh, but Alistair Begg has said that the Spirit's fruit is not like ornaments being added onto a Christmas tree, but the, the Spirit's fruit is rather something that comes from within. It grows naturally from the tree. The fruit of the Spirit comes from within, from the Holy Spirit producing it in our lives, it's a fruit of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean, however, that we just sit back, cross our arms and say, let God and let go, and that just somehow we're going to experience joy all the time. I do think we have a responsibility, and as Brent talked about last week, there's a way that we can cultivate or nurture peace, or we can cultivate and nurture joy, right? So very quickly here, I want to go through four ways this morning that we can cultivate or nurture Joy, and these are on the notes in the in the uh, app. If you want to look along there, but uh, first of all, w way number one, means number one to uh, cultivate joy, and that is simply by doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. Proverbs twenty one fifteen says this: When justice is done, it is joy to the righteous. When justice is done, it is joy to the righteous. What is he saying? He's saying when you do justice, when you do the right thing in accordance with what God would want and what your conscience would tell you and what revealed truth says, when you do what's right, there's a joy there. Contrastly, we all know that when we've ignored the impulse of the Spirit, when we've ignored God's clear revelation and we've gone about our own way and we've disobeyed God, 
there's a lack of joy there. And in Psalm 51, uh, David's psalm of repentance, Psalm 51, he had sinned with Bathsheba. And in Psalm 51, in one place there, he says, he says, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Because when you've disobeyed God, when you've run far from God, there is a lack of joy. But by doing the right thing, we can experience more personally more fully, God's joy. Jesus says the same thing, not surprisingly, in John chapter 15. Read the whole context, John 13 through 15, and then 16 and 17, Jesus prays for us. But Jesus says this in John 15, he says, the things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The things that I've said to you, Jesus says, are for your joy. Not to be a bummer, not to be a killjoy, not to ruin your party or be a naysayer or just a Debbie Downer. Oh, I've got to follow all these commandments that God has given me. No, he says, I've given you these rules. I've given you these commandments, these boundaries for your joy, that your joy may be made full. That's a positive way of saying, if you live in obedience to God, you can't experience the joy of God. So number one, doing the right thing. Secondly, we got a cruise here, investing in the right things. Let's just look at one passage, investing in the right things. First Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, Paul's writing to this church that he's invested in. He's given his life to these people and he says, what is his joy? First Thessalonians 2, 19, he says, for what is our, our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. How do you cultivate joy? By investing in the right things. What are the right things to invest in? Eternal things. And get this, people. He invested in the people of Thessalonica. And he says, you're my hope. You're my joy. You're my crown. You're what I boast about. The people that I've given my life to. And I look at folks over here that are investing in our middle school kids. Uh, folks that are investing in others through their community group. It's as we give our life away that there's a joy of ministry and the joy of living uh, for the right things, investing in the right things, that we experience that joy. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be. What you value brings you joy, brings you love when you think about it, when you do it. So investing in the right things. As many have said, there's only two things eternal, God and people, right? And if you invest your life in eternal things, God and people, you can experience more fully the joy of Christ. We were made to make a difference. We were built to make a difference, to make an impact. And the, the paradox is, is that if we just seek joy, if we seek, if, if we seek our lives just to be about our own personal happiness or just seeking joy, seeking pleasure, guess what? We won't find it. We'll be empty. But contrastly, if we give our lives in service to another, it's then that joy comes in, right? If you seek joy first, seek happiness first, you won't get it. Seek a life of service and giving your life away to others, you will find Joy. That's number two. Number three, focusing on eternal things. Similar to the previous one, but focusing on eternal things. Listen to how the author of Hebrews describes Jesus. He says, looking to Jesus, or some translations say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Jesus walked in complete obedience to the Father, didn't he? Never disobeyed. 
was in perfect uh, relationship with, was in perfect obedience to the Father. And so he lived a life of joy, even though the Bible says that he's a man acquainted with sorrow. Jesus was. He lived a life of joy. And yet this verse says there was a greater joy that, he, that awaited him. He was able to go through the, to the cross because he was focused on the fullest joy to come. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I don't know what cross you're carrying this morning. Many of you are carrying huge crosses, big burdens. But if you know Jesus, you can walk through any trial, any storm, because this is as bad as it gets. If you know Jesus, this is as bad as it gets. You have a joy awaiting you. But get this, if you don't know Jesus, this is as good as it gets. So live it up. But if you know Jesus, this is as bad as it'll be. And Jesus looked forward to the, the joy that was set before him. Focusing on eternal things, number four, delighting in the right thing. And right here, what, what do I mean here? I mean simply delighting in God. What in the world does that mean? That means fellowshipping through the Spirit with God. That means being in His Word, stopping and praying and, and trying to reconnect with Him throughout the, throughout the day. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Where do we rejoice? We rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord, even if we may be going through suffering. Peter was going through suffering. First Peter 1, 8 and 9, and the people he was writing to were going through suffering. But look at what he writes, Peter writes to them. He says, though you have not seen him, and they're talking, he's talking about Jesus here, okay? Though, if you, though you've not seen Jesus, you love him. None of us here have seen Jesus, but we love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. I love that phrase. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining, of the, outcome, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. They're going through trial, but they can rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible because of Jesus. Christmas is one of the busiest, most stressful times in our culture. And I wanna ask you this morning, are you focusing on the right things this season? Have you, have you gotten through your shopping list? Great. Let me ask you this. Have you gotten down on your knees? Have you stopped and taken intentional time to read the Christmas story, to feast on Jesus and to pray with him and to reconnect with him in relationship? delighting in the right thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Solomon said, let me go back to Proverbs 10, 28. Solomon said, the hope of the righteous brings joy. Because Jesus has come, we have hope. And because we have the hope of Jesus, therefore we have joy. And because Jesus is coming again, we look forward to an even greater joy. The hope of of the righteous brings joy. That hope is Jesus. And it is summed up in one of the classic Christmas passages. The Hatchers read it earlier, Luke 2.10. What did the angel say to the shepherds? We read it earlier. He said, 
The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Good news brings great joy. You may be in trial. You may be suffering. You may be heart sick in your heart this holiday season. But because of the good news, you can know a great joy. And notice the inclusiveness of that. That will be for all people. That's, a, that's quite an inclusive statement. It's inclusive to all who will trust in Jesus. You can know that news and you can have that joy. Our joy is not in a great sale or a great meal or anything under the tree. Our joy comes from the one who has come to save us and is coming again for us. That's the only place of hope. That's the only person of joy. That's the reason for this season. The babe who came to give his life for you and me and to come again and give us the fullness of joy. Would you pray with me? Maybe uh, you're here this morning and you don't yet know the joy of Jesus because you haven't trusted him as your savior. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you don't know the joy of eternal life, then I invite you right where you are this morning just to do business with the Lord, all of you, just your heads down, eyes closed. If, if you have never taken that step of faith and said, Jesus, I trust you as my savior, I trust you as the king who has come and is coming again, Savior of my sins, just pray to him right now and say, Jesus, I believe in you. The greatest gift that you could receive this season is the gift of salvation in Christ, and it comes simply by grace through faith. And for those of you that know Christ, I just want you to do business right now and say, Jesus, come close. I come close to you. Minister to me in this season. Help me to focus upon eternal things. Help me focus upon important things. Help me not just to go through a season, but to celebrate my Savior. Do business right now with the Lord. praise you, Jesus, for becoming flesh, for tabernacling among us. We magnify and adore and worship you, Lord Jesus. What a wonderful, merciful Savior you are. You're mighty to save and quick to redeem, humble in your birth and exalted in your reign, dispenser of joys and sovereign over our sufferings. We should sing joy to the world year-round, for you are presently ruling the world with your grace and truth, the grace and truth of which you are full. You're making the nations prove the wonders of your love and as the gospel runs from heart to heart and nation to nation. From the riches of the gospel, we keep receiving one blessing after another, grace upon grace. We're robed in righteousness and under God's favor. We have your steadfast intercession and never-ending advocacy. 
citizenship in heaven and protection in the world, the work of the Spirit and assurance of heaven, why would we ever whine or worry? Joy to the world indeed. So very amen we pray in your near and exalted name.